Hey there, everyone. Welcome to The Great Retention with Camber Parker, sponsored by The O Prono. I'm Camber, your young professional expert and founder of The O Prono, where we bring you the answers you need to know about how to hire and retain the best talent, starting with the young professionals you work with. There's a lot of young professional fish in the sea, but how do you catch them? And what do you do once you reel them in? That's where we come in. Today, I am so excited to welcome President Elizabeth Davis to the show, coming to us live from Greenville, South Carolina. As many, of you, as many of you likely already know, President Davis is the president of my alma mater, Furman University. While we did not connect until after my time as a student, she has had an incredible tenure at Furman, building signature programs like the Furman Advantage that has received widespread acclaim across the country. She has a presence in our Greenville community, often representing Furman at various events throughout the city, and even finds time to sit down with students and alumni like me. I invited her to join me today because there is no better way to understand the next generation of leaders than to sit down with the president of a higher education institution, and I'm excited to dive into this topic with her today. President Davis, welcome to the show. Thanks, Camber. I'm glad to be here. And of course, you're wearing your firm in purple. I am. I should have yes. done the same, right. but I'm so excited that you're here, and I think we have a really great conversation ahead of us today. So we're going to start with a little something I like to call a lightning round, okay. and so just answer this in, in a concise way, if you can, sure. just to really get people to get a feel for who you are. Sure. So first, tell us something that is not on your resume, so something that people might not know about sure. you. I grew up in New Orleans, played the trombone, and I have played with Wynton Marcellus. Oh, very cool. See, I love this question because you really find out some interesting things about people. Right. <laughs> what is your favorite productivity tool? I'm going to say Excel. I mean, the accounting, the accounting nerd in me. Yeah. Just loves it. yeah. <laughs> Great. Very cool. Short and sweet. Um, I, you also get a lot of ra- variety in that answer as well. And then tell us about a lesson that you learned as a young professional. My second year or after my second year, I was actually promoted and started um, supervising staff. Mm-hmm. And the lesson I learned is you just have to give bad news as soon as you know it because um, stretching it out is misleading. So there was a young uh, staff member who just wasn't performing well, and I was not willing to give him the hard news because mm. I was 24 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but, boy, once I told him that, he 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 said, I I wish somebody would have told me this earlier. Yeah. Um, and— you know, being able to give it and take it right. is, it's a skill. Right. You got to practice. It's a soft skill. And mm-hmm. that's something that I think learning that early on is mm-hmm. is probably very challenging. But once you know it, and I'm sure in your experience and your career, you've probably had to do it yes. uh, several times, several unfortunately. Times. But it was a lesson that you can point back to exactly. your younger years. Mm-hmm. Um, tell us a little bit more about your background that we might have missed in the intro, because I can only say so much. Sure. So I actually started in public accounting. I graduated mm-hmm. with an accounting degree, and public accounting was pretty much the track that uh, a lot of um, graduates would follow. Mm-hmm. So that means that I would go into uh, different clients' offices, mm-hmm. and I would do um, what's audits. So the mm-hmm. audits that um, are the financial statements that you might read in your accounting class mm-hmm. or whatever uh, have to be audited. Mm-hmm. And I was a part of the auditing team. Mm -hmm. So I developed this ability to kind of walk in and assess Mm -hmm. situations that actually still um, helps me today. Mm -hmm. Um, But once I realized that I would prefer to be teaching, it was after three years. That's when I transitioned to higher ed. Okay, great. And how long have you spent in higher ed? So, gosh, I guess it's about 30 
31 years. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Congratulations. Thank you. It's a long time. Yeah. Um, well, speaking of your, your career, you have spent a lot of time with students that are about to enter the workforce, exactly. which is of course the group that we're talking about today. We're talking about Gen Z and millennials. So right now we've got, you know, five to six years worth of Gen Zers in the mm-hmm. workforce in that young professional age range, which of course is changing because some people are going straight from high school into the workforce. And right. so we can talk a little bit about that today mm-hmm. too. But Gen Z and millennials, they're going to make up two thirds of the workforce by 2030. How are Furman and other institutions preparing students to enter the workforce? I think a lot of business owners that watch and listen to this show want to know. Well, one of the things that we really have to do is help students figure out when to focus on um, their career, their career aspirations, and help them be sure that what they think they want to do really aligns with their skills and their also their values. Mm-hmm. So we actually just implemented a program at Furman called the Pathways Program. Mm-hmm. It's required for all freshmen and sophomores. And what that will do is, you know, by the end of the sophomore year, they're mm-hmm. going to ha- they'll have their elevator speech that mm-hmm. really tells about their experiences and um, what motivates them and things that they can use, mm-hmm. you know, and continue to, to develop in their junior and senior year. Mm-hmm. They'll have the LinkedIn profile. They will have been to um, uh, days when corporations come on campus and things. Mm-hmm. And what we were seeing is that students would wait until, gosh, in their senior year, and that's mm-hmm. just so late. Mm-hmm. Then it becomes panicky, right? right. And this way, then, um, it gets students into the practice of mm-hmm. being okay with learning how to talk about themselves mm-hmm. and, and reflecting on, you know, what's really important, mm-hmm. making sure they get that internship or mm-hmm. whether it's research with mm-hmm. graduation, but it's, it, it really is trying to put some structure mm-hmm. around those first two years without making them have to pick a career, right? right. You want to sort of like lead that. them into um, generally, mm-hmm. right? What what would you be interested in? Yeah, I love that. What are the companies that, uh, I know that you're very involved in the community, so mm-hmm. obviously you are talking to these connections, not only in Greenville, but right. across the country. Mm-hmm. What are they saying? Um, has this program been around long enough where you're starting to see the impacts? Not yet, because mm-hmm. it was just fully scaled this year. Okay. So we only have the first few, right. um, gosh, one semester of every freshmen being in it, but mm-hmm. we've done some pilot tests. And what we're really hearing is from the students who mm-hmm. say they feel so much better prepared than their peers who, who weren't in the pilot mm-hmm. test to, mm-hmm. you know, to enter the market, to have some confidence to know mm-hmm. how to talk about themselves. Yeah. Um, and really, you just, you don't want all that pressure to come on you at your senior year, right? Right. Um, and so there's good feedback Great. from students. Yeah, I can imagine. I know mm-hmm. that that would have I would have benefited from sure. that certainly. Yeah. And yeah. of course, I probably just missed the cut. I'm sure you just yeah. started working on it a couple yeah, years after. We did. And the other thing too that this is helpful with is sometimes people will say, "Well, with a liberal arts degree or with this kind of degree, you can do anything." Yeah. Well, that's not helpful, right? I mean, anything is paralyzing. Right. And so again, by getting them to start even saying, oh man, that was a terrible internship. Now I know what I don't want to do. Just to start eliminating 
the possibilities is as helpful as knowing exactly what you want to do. Right. Um, tell us a little bit about from your experience again in your industry, what types of impacts is this dramatic shift that we're seeing, you know, the the rise in mm-hmm. young professionals to kind of taking over, so to speak, the yeah. workplace. Um, what will that have? How will that have an impact on businesses, the economy and our communities? Well, I think especially as a baby boomer, and I am at the tail end of the baby yeah. boomer, but, um, you know, these generations, they're just so different. Mm-hmm. When you go from one generation to the next, it, you don't really notice that much of a difference. Mm-hmm. But I actually did a presentation with our board, mm-hmm. and I showed them how, you know, when did the millennials start? When did Gen Z start? Mm-hmm. And then talked about some of the characteristics, mm-hmm. you know, um, more socially active and aware, even if they come from conservative backgrounds, mm-hmm. right? Um, there's a, a tendency to want everybody to be treated fairly, you know, mm-hmm. this notion of a universal income. Or mm-hmm. The other thing is, this is the most diverse generation um, ever. Mm-hmm. And as a result, then, students come in with different lived experiences. So mm-hmm. we can't keep doing things the same old way. Mm-hmm. Um, even if their positions on social issues had been constant over these past, mm-hmm. you know, 60 years, mm-hmm. just the fact that the population is so diverse makes us need to do things differently. Yeah, And the reason I had to, or I wanted to help our board understand it is because the board is the one who makes those highest level strategy decisions. Mm -hmm. So, for example, they don't understand why we're spending so much money on mental health. Mm. Um, And we know that mental health is a big issue. So in addition to helping our students think about that career pathway, Mm -hmm. we also do a lot of work around mental health proactively, Mm -hmm. not just reactively, but, you know, taking care of yourself, um, how to, um, how to identify when you're in a stressful situation, Mm -hmm. um, how to build resilience and Mm -hmm. deal with difficulty, right? I mean, you know, you can start that first semester when you make a a C, D, or an F, right? I mean, that's, you know, being able to talk through, um, those emotions and how mm-hmm. to work through them. Mm-hmm. But also, again, just to give our students opportunities to say, it's okay mm-hmm. to take a break. It's okay to say no to some things. Right. Um, and I think, again, that when going into then the workforce, this is what employers are going to need to know because, yeah. um, you know, when you think of really large corporations or large nonprofits like Affirmin, the leaders are typically, you know, my age or maybe a smidge younger. Mm-hmm. So understanding what this generation is like, what they've grown up with, mm-hmm. um, really impacts mm-hmm. how they think. Absolutely. And you touched on so many points there. But one of the things that I keep thinking of is how employers can really learn from higher education yeah. institutions, right? Because you're doing all the things that I'm having conversations with companies about, yet they seem to not be, not all of them, but they seem to just not be able to make the move because they are filled with so many people in leadership positions that are from different generations that are not willing to understand. So how do you get your team 
to think the way that you do? You know, the, the helpful thing is in higher ed, we have an entire student life division and they're right. trained in student development mm. um, theory. Mm-hmm. So they understand um, when students are developmentally ready to experience certain things. Mm-hmm. And they also can track that, you know, this generation might not be as ready developmentally as, you know, the one right before was. Mm-hmm. And so as a result, um, we have professionals that are on campus 24-7 mm-hmm. helping the rest of us understand um you know, best practices about mm-hmm. providing the right kind of experience. Yeah. And then that has to trickle into the classroom as well, because the way that professors have taught mm-hmm. for so many years doesn't work when now the student body is much more diverse. Right. Um, learning styles are so different. Mm-hmm. And you have to flip the switch on from I'm a teacher, I'm here mm-hmm. to teach, versus they're learners. My mm-hmm. job is to be sure they learn mm-hmm. so that I have to be able to adapt mm-hmm. my style right. to a way where all students can be successful. Yeah. Well, I really applaud you for you know, doing what you're doing, but also going into that boardroom and sharing what you just told me that you mm-hmm. shared. That's really impactful. And mm-hmm. it's going to take a lot of people doing that to be ready for this next generation. Right. And so one of the things that I want to talk about today as well, you know, we've, we've talked about change a lot mm-hmm. and adapting to that change. Obviously, the pandemic threw us all through a huge loop. Right. And it's kind of shifted the way that employers are engaging mm-hmm. with college students. Um, you know, one of those things, job fairs used to be so popular. Correct. And I would love to know your take on what should employers do? I mean, most of the people listening to the show are business owners, business leaders, recruiters, people in HR. What should they be doing to try to attract this young talent that is coming out of college right now? Well, this is one of the places where it gives students so many more options, right? Which, again, can be daunting Mm -hmm. if it's not managed well. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Scouting people out on LinkedIn uh, that might have certain characteristics, certain interests, Mm -hmm. because this generation still wants to be um, treated as an individual, right? So sometimes job fairs, when it's just a mass of yeah. people, seems very um, unpersonal. Mm-hmm. Um, this, so this actually has leveled the playing field for small institutions like Furman, but also for small businesses yeah. if they take advantage of some of those um, mm-hmm. uh, social media opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. And I think that's the best way to reach people right Mm -hmm. now is through social media. And I I keep talking to people about job fairs, and I think there's a lot more efficient ways Mm -hmm. to reach those people, as you mentioned. So thanks for sharing that tidbit. Since you have worked with young professionals throughout your career and you have two young professional children. I have a millennial and a Gen Z. All right, millennial and Gen Z. What are the key findings that you have learned about young professionals, really what they want and need to be successful in the workplace? So you've talked to us a little bit about trends and Mm -hmm. what we're kind of seeing with this generation, but what do they really intrinsically need deep down to be successful in the workplace? So, you know, I'd I'd flip on them what I just talked about with employers, Mm -hmm. which is understand who you're going in to work for. And Mm -hmm. yes, it's been sort of what we would call a seller's market, right? So the the employee has um, is holding most of the cards right now, but that flips. And so there are norms and mores within, um, Corporations, and that's really 
part of evaluating your value system, right? Do, mm-hmm. do you want to be in this kind of place? Because if there's a culture, it is unlikely that you will, on your own, change that culture, mm-hmm. right? And so yes. I think an awareness that, you know, these organizations are really living organizations with their own culture, their own yeah. communities that you've got to be able to walk into and observe and I wouldn't say change yourself, so mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. I'm saying decide if that's the kind of place you want to be a part of. Absolutely. Um, I I think um, communication skills, um, writing and speaking cannot be underestimated. Mm-hmm. So um, my daughter does not like to speak. She didn't speak in class mm-hmm. um, and she doesn't speak at work. And so what she's been pushed on, though, is Claire, you have to speak up because they know she does great work. Yeah. But her personality is um, just quieter, mm-hmm. more observant. Mm-hmm. And so she and I talk about that, you know, figure out a way yeah. to throw in something, mm-hmm. you know, be thoughtful. Mm-hmm. You don't have to talk a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to engage, right? right? Absolutely. And I think a lot of times young professionals, we just immediately get clumped together. We get yeah. clumped and, and generalized. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people push back on the generalization of, of generation. Sure. But I think it's important in understanding the behaviors yeah. of these groups, especially as it relates to the workplace. But mm-hmm. communication is the number one reason that the young professionals I've interviewed over the years have left a job. It's also the reason that they stay if mm-hmm. the communication is right. Right. And so starting, you know, younger when you're in college and, and working on those communication skills, that's only going to carry over. It really is. Um, and again, creating, depending on, you know, where the student is at school, mm-hmm. um, they may have to create their own opportunities to do mm-hmm. that if mm-hmm. the school doesn't provide them. Um, right. So, you know, when we hear from employers that soft skills are the, you know, the thing that's missing coming out of college, mm. students can really set themselves apart by demonstrating great soft skills, great mm-hmm. ability to, to communicate. Again, that's why we, through our Pathways program, want to get to teach them that um, or help them develop their own yeah. personal statement. Mm-hmm. I mean, the fact that you could go into a company and do that mm-hmm. um, is going to separate you from the vast majority. Right. And I, I love the Pathways program. I'm just going to say it again because I love what it stands for, but also for what it's worth, I felt like I got my soft, I learned soft skills at Furman. I really believe Mm -hmm. that. I I hands down think that a lot of the skills I utilize today, I learned in Furman. It was through a lot of extracurriculars and and through the the things that I did on campus. Um, But that's a side note. I just had to throw that in there. Tell us now, you know, we've talked about some challenges that we're, we're seeing just in this new transition post-pandemic workplace, but as the Gen Xers and the baby boomer generations begin to retire and the rising number of young professionals are entering the workplace, we've mm-hmm. got a lot of Gen Zers coming up, a lot of millennials in these now mid-manager roles. Mm-hmm. What is the biggest challenge as, as we see these people retiring and exiting the workforce? I think one of the things that we've seen about baby boomers in particular is we tend to be fairly loyal and committed to where we work. Mm -hmm. And so you'll see some longevity and longevity um, actually can breed success as long as people are doing a great job. Um, What I've noticed about Gen Z and the millennials is this moving, you know, every two or three years. 
And what you aren't able to develop when you move mm-hmm. are management skills right. because it's not easy to manage people because, mm-hmm. you know, people are messy. Um, some people are difficult. Uh, so th- what I hope that we can see maybe, again, as people get into mm-hmm. their 30s, mid-30s, pushing 40, mm-hmm. is that um, those kinds of skills, and that's just a different soft skill, right? Mm-hmm. Those management skills still exist. Yeah. And an email's never going to be to face-to-face conversation, yeah. right? Um, yeah. For all the reasons we know that social media is just not as effective. Right. right. And that could be a whole other conversation yes, today. Yeah. Uh, one thing that I, I do want to ask, because I think it's really important, and I had mentioned it a little bit at the beginning, is we know that there are a lot more people now after the pandemic who are going straight from high school mm-hmm. into the workforce. Mm-hmm. Um, and and obviously, I, I went to Furman. I thought it was an amazing education and it was a wonderful opportunity. A lot of colleges I, I think are the same, but what would you say to that um, that element and that, that part sure. of history that we're now seeing? Yeah. So I don't think a four-year degree is right for everyone. Mm-hmm. I do think some post-secondary training is, mm-hmm. um, but that doesn't mean it has to happen immediately after mm-hmm. high school. The way that we're seeing our economy change, the world change, um, if you haven't developed that adaptability or the skills that um, the soft skills like we talk about, Mm -hmm. you know, you may be absolutely great at your entry job. Mm -hmm. But if you don't have the skills to move up, Mm -hmm. that's where the problem is going to be. Mm -hmm. So... um, and believe me, I know not everybody has that kind of opportunity. Mm-hmm. So my my advice is um, to the extent that students can find ways to continue to learn, mm-hmm. to continue to upskill, mm-hmm. that's going to be the most important. Yeah, I love that. Thank you for sharing mm-hmm. that. Just before we wrap things up, sure. I want to ask one last question, then I'll give you the opportunity to share anything you think sure. we missed today or didn't cover. But can you talk about a memorable experience that you've had working with either a young professional, mm-hmm. an individual, or young professionals, plural, um, and just kind of share what did those experiences look like? You know, when I think about that, um, especially for all the years that uh, I taught mm-hmm. instead of being in actually administration, um, Seeing students find what they're really good at, mm-hmm. um, being successful, um, having the light go off. And I can remember sitting in my, even in my own CPA review class, mm-hmm. where I had an aha moment. You know, I mean, that's what we live for in higher ed, to for students to have those moments mm-hmm. that say, oh, my gosh, this is what it means or this is what I want to do. Yeah. Um, and I got to see that every semester as a as a professor. Mm-hmm. What I do now, uh, since I'm typically working with grownups, yeah. um, I will have um, breakfast and lunch with students in the dining hall, and mm-hmm. just again the stories, hearing the stories, and I'll ask specifically, you know, because of Furman, what has happened, mm-hmm. and um, it's just it's so rewarding as the president mm-hmm. because I do believe higher ed can really 
transform lives. Yeah. Otherwise, it wouldn't. I wouldn't be here. Right. You know? Well, it's clear that uh, you are obviously in the right place based on just your your story right there. And you know, I found it really amazing when one. I mean, you're sitting across from me right now from mm-hmm. an alumna, and I also, you know, when we got together last year for mm-hmm. lunch, it was just you still get together with with students after they graduate, right. and so I think mm-hmm. that uh, definitely sets you apart as a leader, and it has made a mark on me. So thank you. Sure. Um, and just before we wrap up today, Elizabeth, what what did we not cover? Is there anything else you want to share before we part ways today? You know, I would think I would say again for uh, students, but also employers, um, getting to know each other, understanding expectations, um, and being really clear. There is just no greater substitution for developing those relationships and communication to mm-hmm. create that successful working relationship. Yeah. Great way to end the episode. Thank you again, Elizabeth, sure. for being on the show. So glad to be here, Camber. Thank you. Thanks again for joining us on The Great Retention with Camber Parker. Before you go, remember this. Young professionals make up nearly half of the workforce today and is expected to jump at a rapid pace in this decade. What will you do to help them become the great leaders we need for our future? Join us next time for more information on how to recruit and retain young professionals. And if you enjoyed this episode, which I hope you did, please leave us a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. This helps others know where to find episodes about topics like this. And don't forget to tell a coworker. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.